0: Hi, everyone, I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast, and I'm thrilled today to have Jeannie Johnson from KPMG join me in our Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. So welcome, Jeannie. Thanks,
1: Denise. Always great to talk with you.
0: Same with you, we have those really fun conversations. How I always like to start off Jeannie is to really have people get to know you a little bit. So if you could talk about your role at KPMG, your background, and then kind of what we've been doing together from a strategic partnership perspective, that's been pretty exciting. Thanks Denise, it's been
1: a great journey from a couple of my seats at at, uh, KPMG, the uh, partnership with Majesco has been tremendous. So I lead our consulting for insurance, as well as I lead what we call our connected enterprise, which is kind of our digital transformation. And that combination is just married beautifully with where Majesco plays in the market, the capabilities that you bring to the table. And I think how we come together to, to really kind of crack some long-standing topics, issues, things that the market, for example, underwriting, where we know something needs to be different and some of the capabilities needed to come together in some new ways to be able to do that. So really excited and think there's a great platform for our combined partnership.
0: Couldn't agree more. And I think one of the things that you and I have spent quite a bit of time on as we were really working on some of the digital solutions and kind of the, the thesis around them and kind of the focus was with so many changing customer demographics and there's these new products and customers have a different kind of expectation that has really accelerated the demand for digital engagement. It's really exposed a lot of challenges for insurers even those with modern solutions. So talk about that shift and what defines a next gen customer experience, particularly you know as it relates to what we've done together but also tied into that connected enterprise. You
1: know the good news is the changing demographics applies to kind of the customer side and what they need at different life cycles or what they need in their business. So if you're talking on the individual side, what they need as they progress through life, if you're talking about commercial customers, what they need based on their kind of market dynamic. The whole point is that it is changing demographic, which is changing some of those customer expectations. And I think if I were to say, you know rather than focusing in on one, the pace of change and the need for, insurers, carriers, agents, brokers, be able to shift and adapt and understand what those customer expectations are, and then marry that, quickly adapt and flex their product, their services, some of their value-added partners and ecosystems, the ability to bring in third-party partners, that market speed is really flexing what used to be, (laughs) hey, we've got an annual cycle, or we've got a three-year product cycle. The need for all of those organizational capabilities and the ability to get talent that understands and is comfortable working at that pace and speed, I think, is really challenging business models. It's challenging operating models. It's absolutely changing the need, and I think exciting times, too. It's changing the need to really think about how all the pieces of technology work together, not just how does a policy system Help, you know, artifact the policy, not how does the underwriting models bring kind of historical losses and do that? How do those pieces work together? How does the servicing center, the call center work based on some of the real time conversations that maybe were just had versus a time delay? So I think what it's really exposing is the new customer expectations expect a whole cadre of different things in the way they interact, some of which are as basic as doesn't matter where you interact in the first part of the sales cycle or you're in the renewal cycle or you've got an issue, there's an expectation that you know who the customer is and you have the context of what their need is versus every call or every interaction starts over with name, rank, serial number, pulling up that history. So I think if I were to kind of say changing demographics, the market speed and changes are all showing up that the customers expect. Whenever you interact with them, however you interact with them, you know who they are, you've got some context for their needs, and there's some speed in which you're able to respond, all of which is challenging the legacy plumbing, and not just the individual pieces, but how does policy claims, billing, all work together to deliver what feels like a seamless interaction and that you know who that customer is. I'm I'm describing it very simply as if everybody knows these things, but it's really challenging some of the fundamental operating models and some of the underlying technology capabilities to go with that.
0: Yeah, that really kind of ties into something that you and I talked a lot about, particular, you know, when we worked on kind of defining what a customer 360 kind of approach would be is that The next generation customer experiences are so dramatically different than our traditional transactional portals. I think the last 10 years, everybody had some kind of a portal and it was really transactional focused and it wasn't really customer experience focused. Why should insurers move to this new experience platform and how is that different than a transactional portal? And what do you see and what have you seen as the value for insurers? Yeah,
1: a couple of things. And I think this is insurance in some ways has contributed to these great user expectations, certainly financial services. So there is still this fundamental, you've got to make it easy for the customer. You've got to make it relevant for them. And it's got to be accurate. And when you put that together, you can't just do one transaction at a time. That will frustrate an end customer or an agent if that's the kind of customer's customer, if we're looking at it that way. If you don't make it easy and you try to do it transaction by transaction, there's just too much how we are all doing. You know, the pandemic shifted people's expectation for what is possible and the ease of doing things and it feeling like everything's in one place. And so I think if you take the traditional, I'm going to access one portal to do this part of what I need on my policy, and then they're going to transfer me or, or I click through to something else and it feels something different, like I'm in a different organization or in a different third party that starts to frustrate and just violate one of the really simple foundations of make it easy. And then the other part of that is a lot of times when it's kind of transaction oriented as opposed to I'm on this end-to-end experience and anticipating what this feels like through my customer that may have multiple needs, what's happening and what it's interrogating behind the scenes, I'm masking that with my portal that makes it feel like one-stop shopping. I mean, that's a little bit oversimplified, but the idea is, is that you can anticipate what their collective needs are and make that very visible and accessible kind of in one place and then they go and then there's a common look and feel versus it feeling like I'm doing this part of what I need in this transaction I'm going one place I'm going to another place after about the third click there's enough other people getting this right that that's enough for people to potentially go shopping or say you know gosh I was doing this because they knew me but gosh by I somebody else can do this and maybe there's a different price point or I can get a different coverage. It just opens the door. And I think there's a lot of folks that are designing strategies counting on that turn. So it's all wrapped up in the, if you make it easy, you make it relevant, you have a better chance of retaining the customer. And I think everybody understands the value of retention versus the cost of new acquisition. Or if you've sent somebody away, then kind of wooing them back. If you can get the retention right, that's a big part of people's uh, revenue and growth strategy. Never mind kind of the end customer experience.
0: I think the other value of this is moving away from that transactional portal, whether it was a customer portal or it was a claims portal or it was a billing portal, it really was tied to whatever that core system was that you had on the back end regardless if it was legacy or if it was one vendor or multiple vendors who provided those core systems, it really limited what you could do. And now the experience platforms really have the ability to kind of disregard that and really kind of pull it all together. So if you have a single policy system for all of your policies, that's great. But a number of insurers are always going to have multiple policy systems because of lines of business or different business units or maybe around innovation and this really has the ability to kind of pull that all together in such a different and effective way than what we've ever been able to do before. And that's really the essence of a digital experience platform, you know, that really can bring this all to life. And I think the other piece that you've really talked about, Jeannie, is the connected enterprise and how you're bringing in different other sources of data or value add information that really enhances that experience, right?
1: For sure. And I think as you were talking through that, I think. We tend to focus on, you know, what's driving this change is very much triggered by kind of changing customer expectations. But one of the most important things is you actually change the employee or kind of the internal expectations. And so to your point about different policy systems, how you link those, integrate those, share data amongst those, that can be wildly painful for internal (laughs) teams, And there is benefit of, you know what, I don't have to get that integration perfect. I don't have to have that change management perfect if I can rely on these portals to be the place where I send it, put it in the right context. And so a big part of that even being possible is because data can move independent of kind of some of the transactions, right? You can house it different ways. It can be dynamic. There could be some, yes, I'm bringing the historical transaction, reference information to bear, but I'm also then marrying that with some preference and some real time taking advantage of next best actions next best just offers. Hey, if there's you know information they've shared, if there's stuff around their demographic, whether it's weather, that's always a really basic one, or their neighborhood, what's going on in that kind of particular, if it's a property kind of situation, being able to marry transaction information with other insight, is really lifting the burden of some of that kind of transaction system or point solution or point system integration behind the scenes. So it kind of is a win-win both for the customer experience side and the employee agent kind of ecosystem side. And it really is because data can move independently of transactions and can come from multiple internal sources and multiple external sources in a historically accurate way from a reference data standpoint, as well as some dynamic stuff that just drives some real-time analytics. And that flexibility, I think is where we're seeing those high-performing insurance organizations that are building that muscle versus those that are trying to codify it and make it very rules-driven only, those that are blending the different data sources and the different kind of insights capabilities in the context of what that customer needs, when people are getting those three things right, we're seeing them really be able to interact with customers in a different way. And I think the last thing, as we're observing, is you know historically being able to get the coverage, a.k.a. complete the transaction, be able to kind of quickly and reasonably and reliably if you have issues to resolve, uh, get those claims sorted, resolve those claims. It really was getting the transaction was the success factor. That's almost a given today. And it now it becomes of how am I feeling about this coverage? How am I, you know, what is the experience expectation? So the days of just completing the transaction quickly, and getting it done. Those are kind of given. So everybody's having to be more responsive on some of these dimensions that we've talked about and making better use of data that doesn't, you know, you might marry something that comes from a marketing activity um, with an inquiry that they made with a claims call or service call and put those two together in ways that a transaction process would never get to there. But knowing that customers that have These kinds of policies typically are looking for these things. You can start to get those analytics patterns and being able to do that is where we think those that are going to succeed going forward are building that muscle as part of maturing the organization.
0: One of the other areas that we've spent a lot of time on together between the organization and you and I spent a lot of time talking to the market about is underwriting. It has really begun to change. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact of risk has changed, risk has increased, and there's new types of risk that really kind of forces us, particularly for commercial and specialty lines, to really rethink underwriting and how we go about it. It's not just at the policy level anymore. It's got to be at a portfolio level and potentially other layers of risk on top of that. And so this whole concept of rethinking digital underwriting and the role that underwriters are in this new digital world of engaging more effectively and more regularly in real time with the brokers and or the customers has really kind of thought that whole process and something that we've worked on together. So Jeannie, kind of give your perspective as to what you're seeing and where that rethinking of digital underwriting needs to go.
1: It's been really fun to watch this evolution. And I say fun euphemistically. (laughs) I think (laughs) the promise of automation and kind of my previous comments around data is kind of really key to this. You just could never assemble this information. You could never move it around. So it was easy for me to say, yeah, people are experimenting. People are building this muscle. It's only because cloud has been implemented at sufficient scale. Some of the artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities and kind of finally there's enough happening enough data on the cloud platforms to get the right contact so that it is useful and something as judgmental as underwriting. So those capabilities have really only reached the scale point that I think the promise of the original automation has progressed from, gee, can I just take some of the underwriting tasks assembling information, putting these different long forms in a place that the you know underwriter can see at one place. And there can be a conversation that the brokers are looking at the same information as kind of the underwriter from the carrier perspective. The original promise was if we could just do that, then that'll free up some capacity. That was kind of horizon one. And I think that's proved to be pretty good. I would tell you though, I think everybody assumed data ingestion, getting data from different sources, making sense of it in a way that can feed some of the underwriting models and underwriting risk selection algorithms has still proven to be a little bit of that Achilles heel. But I think there was great progress in kind of just getting some basic automation. I think where there was a little bit of, you know, for let's call it some of the more routine, high volume, the delivery of kind of a little bit more of the straight through automation for very predictable things, I think has played out well. And many people have been able to exploit it. But to your point around commercial and specialty, which are high growth areas and have kind of never really had enough of a precise (laughs) underwriting to really satisfy anybody in the market, aka as the end customers, you can never quite get the coverage at the price that felt right. You always had to make compromises. The underwriters knew they could do more if they had a little bit more insight. If they could calibrate those risk selection models, had just a little bit better insights, they could provide more meaningful coverage. And I think that's where we're seeing kind of this next horizon of digital underwriting which is there's still some good progress to make on just getting the information assembled in a way to make good use of it and again to your point for individual policy decisions but also for that collective portfolio so there may be a set of circumstances for an individual client in what they're looking to do in a specialty category like marine or aviation or something there may be some other things going on that from that portfolio perspective if you've got that lens as well And you can assess where that individual client is relative to that on a real-time basis, not just, hey, there's general trends happening. There are some potential positives, either expanding the risk coverage or the recognition you need to adjust it or price it differently. That's the holy grail for wherever folks are trying to get. And it's not about, hey, I've got this perfect algorithm that's going to spit out the answer. It is really providing that context and some of that scenario analysis to say, Hey, if this is how my risk selection and kind of pricing out the algorithms are done, what are they sensitive to, whether it's variables, and then how can I get insight into how those variables are playing out and really do some calibration and scenario analysis versus I'm just trying to have this perfect algorithm in the sky. So we're seeing some people back off a little bit from the, yes, I want AI, but I also want the ability, especially for underwriting, especially for risk selection, to be able to, you know if the sensitivity is this, how can I adjust that? What what can I marry that with with this individual client to make a difference? And that translates to writing more business and writing more profitable business and getting price for value that the end customers are going to care about. That's a little bit more kind of, we call it human in the loop, you know, not we, everybody calls that human in the loop and really augmenting what has been a very critical judgment capability as underwriters augmenting that but still really equipping those underwriters and that underwriting talent to be able to make some of those critical judgment is kind of the key to unlocking that kind of unfulfilled kind of a little too generic for the commercial and specialty business or super price so i think it's going to make that more accessible for more those different horizons we think are playing out so a little bit too aggressive on some of the straight through processing and then marrying that with just enough of the right automation in the right places is where we're we're seeing folks really focus.
0: I think that we've had other periods in the market over the years where, you know, we did not have good profitability. Our losses were higher as related to what gets reported for AM Best. But this last year has been a real challenge for the industry. We're going to be well over 100 for loss ratios. You know, it could be upwards of 107, 108. Um, And at the same time, we're seeing risk continuing to increase the impact of climate change. And we're also seeing the tightening of the reinsurance market, so access to reinsurance. And so insurers are going to have to take on potentially more of the risk themselves. And so I think we're at a really crucial point where we've always said underwriting is the foundation for the industry, and we got to get back to the fundamentals. I think getting back to the fundamentals needs to be expanded much beyond that to leveraging these technologies and more access to data as a crucial part of that process and technology. And I think that's probably going to accelerate this even more, and particular, access to different sources of data, because there's new data providers out there that can provide climate-related data, or maybe societal-related data, or technology-related data, like for cyber. And that really kind of changes that whole kind of focus of underwriting between art and the science of it and how that really gets combined together. Kind of talk about what you're seeing and what's going to really kind of define that over the next couple of years, Jeannie.
1: And I think you teed it up perfectly. This is played out in banking and some of the way credit risk is played out. I think ESG in general as a concept is going to force us to look at the way risks intersect And the same is true for underwriting. I think like a lot of organizations, there was a lot of efficiency to be gained when you would say, okay, underwriting for this kind of property category, underwriting for this geo, underwriting for, and you could kind of segment stuff. And I think what's happening is, and then, you know, you could kind of trust the loss runs that I used for that particular, and that was predictive when you could put a nice box around things. And I'm not sure we ever could put boxes around stuff quite as tidy as we organized them. But I think the dynamics of a lot of what you described is cyber doesn't sit in nice, tidy walls. It shows up in a variety of different ways. It goes through fertility, <laughs> Climate and social are, just because something happened one way, the cycles are different. Loss history is not a good enough predictor to properly price for that. So you've got to be comfortable mixing different kinds of information, historical, real-time, and some kind of predictive capabilities for individual risk categories and start to get comfortable with compounding or converging risks. And some good examples we talk about with property, this is not new to this insurance, where are there more prone weather-related properties along with a kind of tendency that's not going to provide the coverage or is going to have losses that you can't cover or have some extending stuff because of the social dynamic associated. When you start to put those two together, that's a very different profile than maybe you could rely on one or more of those attributes. And so I think the need to get more comfortable with complex intersections of risks, no, you've got to augment that with data and insight. And it's going to up the need for talent to get more comfortable with some real-time adjustments. So and everybody's there. There's nobody that's crafted this, right? This is our world changing around us. But the good news is, I think the technology capabilities are there. The challenge is, people have to change their op models. People have to change. And by that, like, so a good operating model example is, we cover this risk and we rely on reinsurance to cover these. Like, being deliberate about, hey, if we're going to get into this business, we've got to have the comfort because we're going to have a hard time getting reinsurance for this. So we're going to have to price these components a little bit more sensitively, and then we're going to be able to, you know, continue with the reinsurance to do that. It fundamentally changes some of how you design processes, how you set up roles, how you set up partnerships, and all those operating model components. And I think that's, as opposed to, I just need to optimize my underwriting organization. You've really got to put it in the context of the overall operating model to manage what you're describing Is things are going to get more uncertain and more complex. And the ability to model that is only going to increase. So I think it's a, it's a fun time. I, you know, Admittedly, it's, it's a good time for consultants because I don't think anybody's cracked this nut. And it's going to take a lot of partners, providers, really kind of open-minded organizations all working together to go, how do we make this work better? And it's going to be one of those things that gets incrementally better as people scale the capabilities, scale the technology, this is not a big bang waiting for this perfect system to come. It's about getting some modern platforms, some modern capabilities, and then starting to apply that to the operating models. This is going to be a slow and steady burn for the foreseeable future, not a just wait for the next release of the perfect software. That's not the point.
0: No, not at all. And I think you know that's really been the impetus behind what we developed together in Underwriter 360 and all the obviously customer 360, but I think the other aspect that really ties into this is that it's not just any one technology, to your point, it's a combination of technology. So, you know, as we kind of work together with regard to Underwriter 360, you know, we've got some data and data and analytics that we can kind of integrate and embed within that. But um, you guys have got different sources of data and there's just all those different sources of data out there with analytics. But then it's also about loss control and digital loss control. And, you know, we've often thought about loss control as really doing that for high risk properties or high value properties. The digital capabilities today allow you to do it for a broader swath of properties, particularly in the property when you think about climate change. And you're able to kind of look at that at a whole kind of portfolio level if you can do it digitally. And I would suspect that there's a lot of insurers that are sitting there with a portfolio of business that they don't really understand the level of risk that they've got on those properties. And if you can kind of combine all of that together, it really kind of has a potential of really transforming that operating model. And so I think, you know, a lot of the work, Jeannie, that we're doing together and that you're doing really begins to bring that together and really kind of says it's not about any one. It's how do you kind of put all the pieces together? Would you agree on that?
1: Absolutely. And I'm sure some of the folks listening go, well, that sounds nice and overwhelming and a big mashup of a bunch of stuff. And I think the whole point is, you know, I think especially like with Underwriter 360 plus the loss control capabilities, we know those are super relevant places to start in this critical area. And so do you start with some basics? Do you just, you know, do you add a data source? You kind of get this chassis or this kind of basic platform that can handle all the pieces, but you don't put everything on it at once. Right. So depending on where kind of the maturity of the underwriting organization is or the adoption or capabilities of technology kind of informs where you start and how you go. But I think it's this moving from a app or model application or transaction or model centric mindset to more of this platform mindset. And then you can get more comfortable with adding more data sources based on the business you're trying to do. You can start experimenting with that portfolio. You can start adding more of those digital loss control components. So I think you described the in state to include all those components, but I think hopefully what folks can also hear, there's a very practical starting point that starts to bring all these pieces together so it is not overwhelming. But I think where we're trying to make sure, certainly with this podcast and some others, is get the message of to be competitive and to make the most of where we, we do see the future of underwriting going and the future of broader insurance. You got to make this pivot to, to start with that kind of platform mindset that enables both the business, the ops, and the tech component. And absolutely how the data informs all those differently. If you don't have the capability to receive different and build from that, I think that's where there's going to be those that adopt it and
0: move forward and those that will be left. It's really about thinking big and beginning that journey. Easy to say it like that, isn't it? But uh, it, it is. There is practical, practical places to
1: start. And then it starts to build.
0: So Jeannie, I love to kind of end the podcast in one way. And I'll put the pressure on you because in the almost 80 podcasts that we've done, over 80, actually, we've only had three duplicate uh, words or phrases. So if you could pick one word or a phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why?
1: I think total experience and seamless interactions would be the phrase and total is customer experience partner. So you've got that mindset and then you enable it with some seamless interactions.
0: Absolutely love it. Jeannie, thanks so much for this insightful kind of conversation. I think that thinking big, but acting practically and pragmatically on a journey towards getting to where that big picture is and being willing to kind of adapt as the market changes. We so appreciate the partnership that we've developed and what we're doing collectively together with our joint customers to really help on that transformation journey. And I'm looking forward to a really exciting year ahead. So thank you, Jeannie. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.